Welcome to Real Estate Real World, where we talk to the movers, shakers, and leaders that are getting it done right now in the real estate industry and beyond. Your host is Marguerite Crispillo, and she started this podcast simply to talk to cool people about what's really happening in this crazy roller coaster ride of real estate. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and stay up to date on the newest stuff by adding yourself to the list at www.realestaterealworld.com. Now your host, Marguerite Crispillo. Hey, everybody. It's Marguerite Crispillo, and welcome to another fabulous episode of Real Estate Real World, where we get to talk to all the super cool people out here in the real estate arena, and some people that aren't even in real estate, but all all kinds of cool people that are doing teaching, training, coaching, and telling us how life really is in the real world. So today, I have a very special guest, Jim Fortin. Did I say it right, Jim? Yes, you did. Oh, good. And Jim, you know, we we were connected through somebody on Facebook who said, you got to talk to this guy. And I love when I get those kind of referrals because it means obviously there's a, main, a big reason that I need to talk to him. So let me read his bio a little bit because he's got some super fascinating stuff. It says, if you're wanting to take your sales and performance to the top 1% level, then let America's mind expert Jim Fortin help you. Jim is the owner of Mind Authority Incorporated, founder of the Sales Psychology Academy, top 1% agent training program, and he's the creator of a cutting-edge selling and marketing technology called NeuroPersuasion, which I can't wait to hear about. Jim is a certified master practitioner of neurolinguistic programming, never an easy word to say, <laughs> and a certified master hypnotist. Uh-oh, I'm going to get hypnotized today on our podcast. With over 20 years of experience teaching neuro-based selling and high-performance strategies. Using neurolinguistics, advanced hypnotic technique, and brain and behavioral science, Jim has merged these areas of expertise into a new and highly effective persuasion technology that has helped tens of thousands of selling professionals and companies shorten their selling cycles and significantly increase their sales conversions. He trains all the way from Wall Street to Main Street, I like that, and he's helped his clients add millions of dollars to additional revenue to their bottom line. Jim is a personal coach, trainer to some of the highest producing selling professionals in the U.S., and he shared the speaking roster with industry professionals like Tony Robbins, Dr. Phil, George Foreman, Robert Kiyosaki, Donald Trump, and thousands of other national experts, and he's coached and mentored some of the highest performing people in business, politics, and global affairs. Jim is one of the nation's leading experts on unconscious selling, marketing, and advertising. Wow, that is a heck of a bio, Jim. Thanks. I uh, hope so. I didn't know it was super cool when you started, so that was, uh, that was awesome. <laughs> Nobody's introduced me that way. <laughs> well, I love – I was reading through, and I was also checking out your, your website, which we'll talk about in a little bit, and I actually love your one of your pictures that says it's a, it's a, a headstone, a gravestone, and it says traditional selling, 1907 to 2013. Yeah. So traditional selling is dead is what you're implying. Yes, that's exactly – actually, I'm not implying it. Science has actually already proven it. Oh, I would agree with you 100%. So let's talk about that because that actually is interesting to me. When you say that, what do you mean? What I mean by that is, you know, I've done this for a lot of years, and people come from many other training programs, Miller, Hyman, Sandler, Spin Selling, Consultative Selling, Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, et cetera. 
and they all say, Jim, how come no one's ever taught me what you're teaching me? Well, I teach a right brain scientific approach to selling and buying, whereas most people teach a left brain approach. Yeah. Now, what I mean by that is left brain, you know, Marguerite, you're in real estate and people will say things like I want a four bedroom, three bathroom house over on Main Street. And you show them four bedrooms and three bathroom houses and they can't find anything they like. Right. And you're thinking, exactly. yeah, you're thinking I'm showing them everything that they want. And why are they not buying? And they buy something completely different. Yes, because what's <laughs> happening is you're buying subconsciously. Now, the Max Planck Institute in Leipzig, Germany, uh, which is one of the foremost research institutes in the world. Back in 2010, some research actually clearly uh, demonstrated that up to 95% of all buying decisions are subconsciously made. So what that means is, is if we're going to actually effectively sell and shorten our selling cycles, we must sell to people subconsciously, which is right brain, not analytically, which is left brain. Now, for people wow. listening, this will make more sense as we go along and we visit, visit a little bit today. So, uh, you know, it's funny that you say that because I always tell the story of when I bought my house, mm -hmm. when I bought my house 22 years ago, mm -hmm. and my husband just and I wanted something out in the country, and he wanted to live in a town called Loomis. I didn't really care where we lived. I just wanted it to be in the country. Sure. And I remember driving down this dirt road, coming around the corner, and there was a huge oak tree with a tree house in it, and we had a young son who was like five years old. I remember calling my house, calling my husband and saying, we're buying a house. Mm -hmm. He's like, no, we're not. I'm like, yes, we are. <laughs> and we ended up, I pulled up to the house and it had a huge kitchen in it. And I called him again. I said, we're buying a house. And we still live in that house today, 22 years later. So, well, let me, let me give you an example here. So you bought that. I just actually, it triggered some subconscious or unconscious things in you. I use that word interchangeably, subconscious or unconscious. So let me ask you this. You've driven somewhere before, and as you're driving, you look up, and the light turns red. That's happened to you, and it's happened to everyone listening, right? Correct. When that light turns red, do you analytically think, hmm, this light is red. What do I do? Do I stop? Do I speed up? Do I run it? Do I turn right? What do I do? Or do you automatically, with no thought whatsoever, simply stop at the light? Yeah, simply stop. You simply stop. And you can okay. even be thinking about 10 other things um, when the kids were younger, yelling, <laughs> yelling at the kids in the back seat, <laughs> talking to your husband, right. listening to the radio. However, there's no analytical thought involved. It happens completely unconsciously. Let me give you a second example. You ever driven somewhere? You live out in California. You're out in the, you know, out in the interstates. And you ever driven somewhere and you're driving for 15 minutes and you're like, whoa, I don't remember any of this trip, but I'm here safely. Completely or completely miss an exit. Exactly. You're like in la la land. Exactly. <laughs> now the point, the whole point there, all of that is determined unconsciously. It's all handled unconsciously. So when we buy, we think that we're making analytical, rational buying decisions. And then reality, all of that is already predisposed and handled subconsciously, even though we don't know that it's happening. What the Max Planck Institute discovered is that we make our decisions in the brain before we even know that we've analytically made a decision. Huh. It's crazy, and it's science, but the whole point is this. Let's go to a listing presentation for a, se a second. Okay. I hear agents all the time going, you know, I did a really, really good listing presentation, but I didn't get the contract. You've heard that before, right? Exactly. Totally. Okay. Well, here's what's happening in that listing presentation. Those, number one, it comes down to frame control. Who's controlling who in the presentation? Because that's what we do as human beings um, is we try to control people not even knowing we're doing it. 
And actually, do you mind if we dig in a little deeper here? Do you want is, – is that okay to – Absolutely. Okay. Let's do it. Do you have dogs? I do. Okay. You ever taken your dog to the dog park? Yeah. What do dogs do the second they see or they meet new dogs? They sniff them. Okay. <laughs> and why do they do that? Uh, I don't totally know the answer to that. <laughs> I'm guessing they're get, trying to get to know each other, figuring out if they're okay. They're, they're establishing pack order. Oh. Alpha and beta. Now, when humans meet, they do the same thing. Now, let me ask you this, okay? And this will be a very big takeaway for a lot of people, and this will explain everything that I do in a nutshell. Okay, you ever gone somewhere, and let's say you're going to a seminar, and somebody actually is in a Ferrari, or, and you see them in the Ferrari, and they walk in, and you think, oh, that's the person in the Ferrari or the, or the Bentley. Or right. you've got to meet someone, and you're like, okay, you're looking around. Who's the boss here? We as human beings, we actually also establish pack order. We look for people, for example, we look for people and we actually, when I say example, we actually rank people on a social ladder. That's true, right? You know that. Yes, okay. exactly. Now, we don't consciously say I'm going to rank people on a social ladder, but we do that. Now, when we go to a listing and buying presentation, what we do subconsciously is we are establishing and we are jockeying for pack order, meaning who's going to control this relationship. In traditional sales, you've heard the old phrase before, anytime two people come together, somebody's going to get sold. Have you ever yes. heard that before? Okay. Yes. All right. What 99% of agents do at a listing and buying presentation is they go there thinking, I need to get this listing or I need this buyer. And right. then they go there and they actually give away pack order to the prospect. They qualify themselves to the prospect instead of making the prospect qualify themselves to them. And what they've automatically done is put themselves in the beta position. Now they are following the prospect. Wow. And that's, that's, called, that's called social framing. So let me give you an example here of also what I do. And being a little chatty here, and I'll come back and loop back around with you, and we can talk about No, no, no. Go ahead. But in a listing presentation, agents will say, I've got this killer presentation. I mean, it's, I, I nailed it but I didn't get the contract. The reason why is in that listing presentation, the prospect is unconsciously reading your body language, your inflection, your tone when you're talking. They're watching your breathing. If you're nervous, they know you're nervous, even though they don't sense it. Yes. They don't analytically know, oh, this person's nervous, but they know it by watching and unconsciously monitor, uh, 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 monitoring breathing patterns. So they're reading the agent the entire time unconsciously, and the agent doesn't even know they're being read. So that goes back to 95% of buying decisions are unconsciously made. It's never about the listing or buying presentation. It's about how they're reading you subconsciously when you're in front of them or even on the phone. But they're picking up and they're making decisions about you. And what we have to do is we have to know that, and we, then we have to influence those decisions to a win-win outcome. You know, it's so – I'm so fascinated by that. I think it's so powerful because I always – I've always told my kids, you know, that especially when they were teenagers and they're trying to, you know, figure themselves out. I'm like, mm -hmm. look, the sexiest thing on the planet is confidence, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And confidence, you can use, interchange that word sure. but for sexy. But the bottom line is, is that when you walk into a situation and you're confident in who you are, people sense that, and that's that alpha part, right? Is that what you're saying? It's not dominance alpha. 
And yes, to answer your question, in that I have a friend of mine, she's in her 70s, and she, she said something like, there's nothing sexier in a woman than a confident woman. Yes. And we look at people, and I've done this, oh my gosh, for so many years, and I'd love to say it's some secret formula because I could make a lot of money doing that, <laughs> but it's not. It comes down to, it comes down to, well, how good do you feel about yourself is something that it comes down to. Um, and I don't really like the phrase belief in yourself, but that's a part of it. But it really comes down to even how comfortable you are in your own skin when you're talking to people. And I'm going to go somewhere right now that a lot of people don't talk about in business, but I see this coming up with all of my clients. I mean, not all, but many. And it's come up, it's come up just, it comes up constantly. But humans, we have actually two major fears. What do you think those fears are? Uh, rejection. That's one. Uh-huh. Which is abandonment. I'm not sure what the other one is. I, I, all the other words I think seem, seem to be like that. Inadequacy. We're not good enough. Okay, not being good enough. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And that comes up over and over. And this is something that most, and I'm going to use the, the most word most people carry around is I'm not good enough or people are going to reject me. They carry that energy into anything and everything they do. They carry it into their listing presentations, and people are reading that unconsciously. Now, here's what a lot of people don't talk about in business, but the number one thing a person can do to grow their business is love themselves first. Because if they love yes. themselves, they're going to show up confident, they're going to show up healthy, they're going to show up respectful, they're going to show up service-oriented, and they're going to show up for the right reasons. Now, I know that's not what you expected to hear maybe on this podcast, but that's, no, that's but a big deal. It's so powerful. And, you know, we talked a little bit about that offline, is that you can't, I don't know. How do you teach that? Well, number one is we learn, and we learn very, very uh, – okay, let me back up. I have, I have a coach, and I've had a coach for years. She has a Ph.D. in transformational psychology, and I've done a lot of inner child work with her. So these are all areas I'm very familiar with, and that we learn this very early in life. I mean one, two, three years old. We learn that we're not good enough, and we're constantly comparing ourselves to people, and people are going to reject me, or am I going to be abandoned? So we learn that, and the way that I've learned to get out of that is pretty simple, is self-talk. And looking in the mirror every day, and people laugh at this, like Stuart, this guy on Saturday Night Live 20 years ago, what is it? I'm handsome, gosh darn it, people like me or whatever that character. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm going to have to look that up on YouTube. Remember, That's so uh, funny. Yeah, some YouTube char uh, some Saturday Night <laughs> character, character, and he'd be like, I'm handsome, and I'm smart, and gosh darn it, people like me. <laughs> but there's a book. I asked, I asked my coach a while back, would you recommend a book for me and for my clients? And she's like, yeah, it's called Love Your Life. Uh, wait, Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends on It. And the whole book is broken down into get in front of the mirror and start talking to yourself. Because everyone, Marguerite, you've done this a lot of years. You know people. We all put on great facades and great faces out in the world, and we put on business faces. But behind that, everyone's got issues. Everyone's got something that's really kind of gnawing away at them. And when we, when we suck that back and we do a lot of self-work and work on ourselves, we show up in the world as a better being, and people read that. Don't you think it's getting harder, too, a little bit with you know social media? Like I always say, when you go on Facebook and you look at real estate agents, every agent has you know sold 100 homes. Every loan officer has never had a loan denied. You know, It's like it, it's not the real world on there, and so you get – on there and people start comparing themselves and you know that's a cancerous subject right there yep. when you start comparing yourself to others and so social media in a way is making that more prevalent don't you think 
Yeah, there's no question about it. And there was a post I read, and obviously I'll, I'll change the wording here, but it was something like you're constantly being judged by people who don't have their own stuff together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that ha- yeah. and that happens a lot. And, you know, it happens. I coach in, in a dozen different industries and, and it happens where people and that that comes down to self-growth. No question about it. So what do you see in in the real estate arena when you're coaching agents and, and brokers and people like that? What do you think is is the biggest challenge that we're seeing in the real estate industry right now? Whew, that's a big question. You got about four hours. I know. I know. We need it all day, huh? <laughs> yeah. No, my average client, one-to-one client, average client GCI is $477,000 a year. Most of my, well, not most, many of my clients are in the seven, eight, nine hundred thousand dollars $900,000 a year range. Um, currently, I coach like like three of the agents that I have right now, just three out in the West Coast are all the number one agent in their office for their brand. And I see the same things over and over. So let's go back to neuropersuasion. Number one is that most people do not know how to persuade and how to influence people unconsciously. So it comes down to skills, which those are skills, and then it comes down to traits, and that goes back to confidence, self-respect, integrity, a service mindset. So they both go hand in hand. Now, a big gripe that I have about the real estate industry, um, and I think a way that it could heal itself, is that the industry has a zero barrier barrier to entry for the most part. Some states you can go to real estate school for two weeks, now you're an agent, right? So people say, you know what, I don't want to be a teacher anymore. I don't want to be a librarian anymore. I want to be a real estate agent because I want the freedom. And then they become agents and they exercise their freedom and now they're broke and they sell one home in 12 months, (laughs) right? So true. So So I, I think what I see prevalently in the industry is a lack of a lack of skill training, no question about that, and um, I'd, l- I'd love to see the barrier to entry raised where people actually are suited for the industry because many people that get in the industry, when it comes to traits, are not suited for the industry, and then they wonder why they fail. Well, I'll tell you that part of that problem, too, and this is probably not going to be a popular topic, has a lot to do with what the broker's allow right Mm -hmm. like I mean I think it's one of the only industries where we we don't really we're trying to recruit somebody from another company regardless of whether they've produced regardless of whether they have been ethical and you know upstanding in their business practices we're just trying to get a number count so the brokers are only concerned really with getting the numbers up how can we have 200 agents like that's more important than getting really great agents that are producing and that are doing their business the right way. So as an industry, like it needs to also kind of start with the brokers, like the brokers need to raise the bar of who they want at their company and not just make it a numbers game. And, you know, I don't, I wasn't sure where where, where we were going to go today, but that is in my observation, that's very true. When I coach people and I've coached a lot at Keller Williams and team leaders and I coach brokers as well. I tell people to top grade. You know, Jack Welch at GE said cut the bottom 10% every year. What a lot of companies mm-hmm. don't do is they don't top grade. And right. I, I tell, like, even my TLs, you spend 80% of your time with 20% of your producers because that's where your money is and your business. But a lot of people, as you said, they just want the head count, and they'll recruit anyone, and they'll put a warm body in the office. And really, it doesn't really help anyone because guess what? That warm body you're putting in the office – you're also, as my acupuncturist says, you're wasting their life because if they're not suited for that profession, really they're wasting six, eight, nine, ten months of their life doing something they're not suited to do. 
everyone loses in the end. Right. And I guess I'm not really sure how, I, I guess there's got to be something happen significant for that to change. Yeah, the industry's got to change. And I think it will, Marguerite. A lot of stuff is happening right now in the industry. A, a lot of technological stuff is happening in the industry, and it's scaring the heck out of a lot of people that are not technologically savvy, like all these apps that can help people now find an agent in a matter of a certain amount of time to show a property or whatever. You notice the old guard, the old school, rebelling against all this new stuff that's, that's coming out, but that's also the way of life. That's what human beings do. Yeah, it, it's definitely something that we're starting to see shift and change a little bit. I mean, you know, there's that kind of classic word everyone's using right now, the Uber, right? Yep, <laughs> it's like, yep. is that going to affect the real estate industry? And uh, I had a great conversation with Dean Jackson where he said, well, it's definitely going to affect the industry, but there's that technology can never replace like the last hundred feet of a real estate deal where you need the human connection, mm -hmm. the human touch. And so I think that that's the power of some of the stuff you're doing is that it, we need to stop worrying about all that and figure out how we can become better and better at who we are and what we do. Yeah. And, and to answer that, I look at that in two aspects. When I, you know, I teach neuropersuasion and then I, 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 uh, I coach with, you know, high performance psychology. And when I go into corporations and I talk to the VP of sales or whoever I talk to, sales manager, they always say, we want to increase our sales. We want that neuropersuasion stuff. And I said, <laughs> and I'll say, okay, because they think it's cool, and it is cool, and it's science and brain-based and all this kind of stuff. And I said, but you know where we need to start is we need to start with the high-performance psychology. Because if you can't – because people are only – when it comes to the neuropersuasion, they're only as effective with the neuropersuasion as they are as human beings. And they'll say, but no, we really want to start with neuropersuasion. And I almost insist now that you've got to start with people. You have to start with – and, I, and I, don't, I want to go deeper here, but you have to start with the mindset. Because no matter how much skill training you feed somebody, the skill training is only as effective as the mindset managing the skill training. I said a mouthful. Did that make sense? Yeah, it did. And so I'm wondering – is that more the responsibility you think of the broker owner or is that an individual? Well, obviously it's both really. Yeah. Well, I answered my own question. <laughs> and also I'm just going to be candid. We're going to get, I'm going to get in trouble here. I'm known as trouble no, rouser because I, you know what? I'm going to tell the truth. And people have said, Jim, what I like about you is you tell the truth. Even if it's unpopular, I'm going to tell the truth. Most stuff, most training in all sales industry is ineffective stuff. It doesn't work. You hear people telling you, let's give you an example here of what I do with high-performance psychology. You hear all the time, you've got to change your mindset, mm -hmm. right? Now, let me ask you and everyone listening, if it was as simple as changing your mindset, everyone would change their mindset. Totally. Right? Okay, so <laughs> let's, let's walk through this. So the old phrase, you've got to change your mindset, is not effective because if it was, then everyone would change their mindset and sell you know, $20 million in real estate. Yeah, we'd be done okay. with it. Right. Here's the thing. When you look at mindset, what people do is they say analytically, okay, I've got to, I'm stuck. I've got to change my mindset, not realizing that the mindset that they're operating from is the same part of the brain that's already created the mindset that's kept them stuck. So what they say is I'm going to use my brain to create a new mindset from the broken mindset that I'm already working from now. <laughs> Does that make sense so far? Uh, yeah. So they recreate the broken mindset. 
Now, right. a step further, Einstein said you can, only, you, you can never solve a problem at the level it was created. You've got to go to a higher level of thinking. So what people never do is they analytically try to reset their mindset from a broken mindset already because they're already broke and not selling. And they say, I'm going to take this broken mindset I have and create a new one when they can't. They've got to go to a much higher level or, in my case, a much deeper level, which is a subconscious mind because all behavior is subconsciously driven. So to answer your question, all these people out there are training and read this motivational book and go read Think and Grow Rich. If you could read Think and Grow Rich and get rich, don't you think the 15 million people that have read it would be rich? Right. But I see people that read it for 10 years and they still don't have $5, right? right? It's because all this training out there, almost all of it is left brain and doesn't take into account that all behavior, all sales, all everything is subconsciously driven and motivated. That's where people have to work. So give us a couple tips on that. I mean, I know that you teach this and train it, and we'll talk about how people can get a hold of you in a little bit, but give us like one tip maybe that helps us understand that a little bit better. Okay, content versus context. If I, if I were speaking to an audience and you know, everybody's there, and, and I said, you know what? You can actually be a millionaire agent. That's content. Right? Okay. I'm, those are words coming out of my mouth, content. However, okay. that content has to go into a context. Now, a context is the way that we show up in the world. We are all a context for something. So, for example, what that means is a context literally is a thought system. We are a context for a thought system. People who are wealthy, their context is wealth. People who are poor, their context is poverty. Are you with me so far? I am. Okay. So what most people do is they go to an event, and all these speakers are up there trying to motivate them, trying to get them to do this and do that, and you know, go out and sell a billion dollars in real estate. That's all, that's all content. If the content does not fit in the context, the content is of no value. So what we have to look at, all of us, is we have to look at our external environment because people will say, well, what is my context? That's easy. Look at your bank account. Look how you live. Look how many sales you made last year. That is your context. And let's say, for example, you're always broke. And it, that's classic in the industry. A lot of agents live paycheck to paycheck yeah. even though they make a lot of money. Exactly. Well, what you've got to look at is what context are you coming from when it comes to money? That's where you work, not on the motivational stuff that tells you you can keep having it. You've got to work on a deeper belief system about what are my beliefs about money? That's where people have to go. They've got to go deeper. And as you know, I'm a hypnotist, so I've done that for many years with people. But I go back again. Everything comes subconsciously. And if we're not getting something we want in our external world, meaning in our behavior, there's an unconscious, actually limiting belief behind it. And so figuring out what that is is where a little bit of the challenge lies, right? And that's why you need somebody to help you sort that out because otherwise you're on this like hamster wheel. Yes and no. I'd love to say, I'd love to say, let me help you sort it out because that's how I get paid. However, right. it's easy. Look at your environment. If you're 50 pounds overweight, what do you think their context for weight is? Yeah, 50, 50 pounds, pounds overweight. overweight. If, if somebody's broke, that is their context for that. So it all goes back. If you want to know what context you're operating from or what unconsciously hidden beliefs you're operating from, Look at your environment and the handwriting's on the wall. 
James Allen, um, he wrote As a Man Thinketh. Have you ever read that book before? Yes, great book. He said, um, mind is the master power that molds and makes. Man is mind and evermore he takes. He thinks in secret and it comes to pass that his environment is just his looking glass. Mm. So, so so to keep your people, you know, everyone that's listening right now, to bring it back to neuropersuasion or neuroinfluence, everything is neural, neuro, everything is brain. But what we do as humans is we look outside of ourselves for solutions or ways to change ourselves when everything actually has to come from our own self-auto-programming, whether it be self-hypnosis, whether it be self-talk. Everything comes from the unconscious paradigms, even selling and buying. And so with that, it, it's really a matter of taking that time to look within and figure out. So I guess that's where I'm a little confused at the moment. So if I figure out, I say, okay, my bank account has like 10 bucks in it. I, I got that figured out. I know that I'm broke. Right. right. It, so what would I go do? <clears throat> Just say, okay, I accept that my bank account's broke. So how do I get my subconscious to say I don't want to be broke anymore? Well, saying you don't want to be broke anymore is still talking about being broke. If I said, for okay. example, don't think of a pink elephant. You're going to think pink of a pink elephant. elephant, right? And that's what human beings do is like women will say, I don't want that cake. I don't want that cake. What happens the more you say you don't want it, you don't want the cake. Right. You want it, right? <laughs> exactly. It's called compounding. The more it's called also there's a phrase called casual potency. The more you focus on something, the more that it expands. Most people focus on what they don't want, which means that that expands for them. So if people talk about not being broke, that's actually what they're expanding in their consciousness and in their unconscious programming. The more powerful place to come from is to focus on attracting prosperity and attracting wealth. So we, I'm writing this down as you're saying it. So. We focus on what we what we need to do is focus on what we want, not on what we don't want. But it seems like all those what you don't want creep back into your brain. Like you're thinking, I want prosperity, but dang it, I'm broke. I want prosperity, but dang it, I'm broke. You know, <laughs> you know, I, you know I, I've been there. Trust me. I've done this a lot. I work on myself a lot. I mean, if I got paid, which I do get paid for how much I work on myself, but I work on myself a lot. And there's a phrase that I learned from my brother-in-law. He's my mentor, one of them. Um, I won't mention his name, but his life story has been written. It's sold like 17 million copies around the world over the years, and it's an iconic book series. Uh, people like Wayne Dyer. Uh, have you ever heard of Wayne Dyer before? Oh, absolutely. I love yeah. him. I'm so sad he's no longer here. Yeah, but. Wayne quotes my brother-in-law constantly, and Wayne even said one time, I will go anywhere, anytime, anyplace to meet your brother-in-law. A phrase that I learned from my brother-in-law 20 years ago, and it took me probably 10 years to even figure it out, is you are where your attention is. You are where your attention is. So if our attention is on being overweight, we create more of that because that's where we are. If our attention is on never having enough listings and the economy is tight, that's where we are. If our attention is on wealth and prosperity, that's where we are. Now, let me add a caveat. I was talking to a client this morning. He makes about 800000 a year. And he goes, man, it's, Jim, it's a grind. What he didn't recognize, and I pulled out of him this morning, is if you look at somebody making forty grand a year, and they're like, man, life is hard. It's a grind, right, at forty grand a year. Okay, there's no difference between that person making forty grand a year saying it's a grind and my client making 800000 a year saying it's a grind. They've got right. different end results, but yet they're creating the same thing in their life at different levels, meaning they're making different amounts of money, 
But notice how they have the same mindset, and because their mindset is, is, is a grind, the one making 40, it's a grind, and the one making 800, it's still a grind, because that is where their attention is. That's so true. Yeah, so people that think they have money, like a lot of money, seven, eight, nine hundred thousand, a million a year, many times they will look at their external environment and say, I'm wealthy, but even out like in California, out where you are, I know people that make eight, nine, mil, you know, a million a year, but they have no money in the bank after tax yeah. and everything else, right? Exactly. So even exactly. though they're technically wealthy, they're also poor. And that is a matter of mindset, but they don't recognize that. Oh, that's really powerful. I know. In thinking about that, I have a, one of my very good friends, and he does very well. He, he's, you know, got several million dollars in the bank, mm. but he, he, in his mind, he still has a long ways to go, mm. right? So in his mind, he still has to do that. That number is not big enough for him. Yeah. Whereas somebody could have, you know, five hundred in the bank, and obviously it's not big enough for them. He's got five million in the bank; it's not big enough for him. So it, it goes along the same lines don't you think yeah to some degree i think the most powerful place any of us can come from is i just um i'm absolute prosperity i am prosperity i attract money there's a book and i've read oh my gosh i've read thousands of books over the years i don't even read that much anymore in terms of commercial books <laughs> because it, it, a lot yeah. of us just rehash the same thing over and over and over again exactly and and some you know some things i'm like if i can pull you know one idea out okay that's great there's a book I stumbled on, and I've read 20 years of books on prosperity. Actually, I started when I was 16, and I'm 51, so however many years that is. And I found the book on Amazon um, a few months ago, and it's called Dollars Flow to Me Easily. Oh, uh, what's his name? Oh. I just um, – what's the guy's name? I can't think. He does a whole – video on it. I'll think oh, of it later. I didn't know that. But yeah, that book, Dollars Flow to Me Easily, is probably – the best book that I've ever read on prosperity consciousness, wow. attracting money. I mean, anyone, everyone listening now, it's $2. Go to Kindle. You can only get it on Kindle. Go get that book. But here's what people do as well, Marguerite, is they read a book. And they're like, wow, that's good stuff. They put it down, and two minutes later, they're back to their old behaviors again. Exactly. I think that's the bigger issue. So let's go to, let's go to the neurology a little bit. Okay, what we have to do is we master things in life through repetition. When we do things and we do them more, we master them. Most people do things one time and like, whoop, I didn't get the result. I'm putting the book down. I'm going to go back to my old patterns. And two days later, they've even forgotten they've done something differently a day prior. The exactly. key is to like read that book and make it part of your life. Do it every day. But we don't do that as humans because we want instant gratification. If we don't get the result today by 5 p.m., I'm not going to do it anymore. And then we wonder why we repeat the old patterns. I think that that's something worth paying attention to because I know that I always say one of the main reasons that contribute has contributed to my success is just doing one or two things the same mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. Like I have mailed to my database for 20 plus years every single month. I mail to my database where many will start, they'll do it for a month or two, and then, oh, they forget, and they slack off, or, oh, they don't have the money to do it this month. It's like, do that same stuff over and over and over again, and you can't help but get results from it. Well, actually, what pe yes, yes, yes. What people do is they start, stop. They start, and they stop, and they don't realize it's more energy to start over again. And they start, yeah. and they stop, and then they've got to expend more energy to start over again. 
the biggest thing that we can do or the most powerful thing we can do is exactly what you talk about doing is being consistent with it. Myself, I'm kicking myself because somebody – well, I'm not kicking myself literally, but there's this big book <laughs> in the industry right now called The Miracle Morning. Oh, yeah. How, all right. Yeah. I did a podcast with him. Yeah. yeah, and I have taught this for years, and I'm like, dang, he got a better title than I did and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, that's his path. That's what he's supposed to be doing, and that's why he created that book. But yeah. every morning I have a room in my house. I call it – it's a meditation room. I go in there, and it's, I've been all over the world at spiritual sites and stuff, and I've got stuff from all over the world. But every morning I go in there, and I actually – I start my day in there before I ever pick up my phone, and I start my, or my email or anything. And the first thing I do every day is I've got a list. But one of the things that I do is I, I give gratitude for everything that I have in my life. And then something that I do every morning is I review my vision. What is it that I want to create? Because every morning that I review that, I make it stronger and stronger and stronger in my unconscious mind. So to your point, what we do, many of us, we walk in there one day, Monday and Tuesday, we do it. Oops, Wednesday I'm busy. I can't do it anymore. Thursday I've already forgotten. And then the next Monday it's not even on our radar anymore. Consistency is the way we train the brain. So that is actually, and I know we're running out of time, mm -hmm. So, uh, but I want to ask about this because I think we all do that. If you do it for a few days and then you get busy and it just becomes not a priority, it's like, what? How do you like make yourself almost do that every single day? That comes to commitment. What yeah, are we committed to? That's true. Yeah. You know, when we look at it, everyone's committed to something. Somebody lying on the couch eating Doritos every day is committed to lying on the couch eating Doritos every day, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. We're committed to something. I know we're almost out of time, but what most people are committed to, and there's no judgment here because I've been there. Most of us are committed to mediocrity and average lives. Yeah, that's true. So we have to look at what am I committed to? And I'm, I'm no different than anyone else. I mean, I have to work um, in terms of, okay, here's what I'm committed to. And I have – so to leave with a thought here, let's, let, me, let me give people this. I've created what I call unbreakable standards. And one of my unbreakable standards is that every morning I go into my meditation room. That is an unbreakable standard. I do that no matter what, because if I break that standard, then I train myself that it's okay to what? Break the standard. Exactly. That's why they're unbreakable yeah. standards. So what people can do is create one unbreakable standard, something that you will do every day, same time, for 90 days. Then what most people do is they fall off track on day 7 or 10. What that tells them about them is that they're not great at commitment. That's where they need to be working. Because, see, the commitment is the foundation to all the prospecting or business building or lead generation or mailing your list. What they do is they keep going back and doing the behaviors, not recognizing the underlying psychology that drives the behaviors. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does, and I can co completely relate to that. So hopefully I, mean, I didn't throw too much at you guys. No, you know what? I could literally talk to you for <laughs> – days. I mean, we could have like a 14 hour podcast <laughs> with just you, Jim, because it's such a fascinating subject and stuff that I'm so interested in anyway. I mean, we've probably read all the same books and I know we talked earlier before the call. We've ran in a lot of the same circles. It's just bizarre that we haven't yeah. met before now, you know, but it's such powerful stuff. And I think when I think it almost feels like a magic pill when you actually figure it out. Right. Like when you figure it out, you're like, oh, like, I knew that, but why wasn't I doing it? Yeah, and I didn't know if we were going to video or audio. So I've got my big whiteboard behind me in the office, and I took a picture, but I erased it. But what I had up there was this entire map because what I do is I watch myself. And I'm like, Jim, what, you know, when you sabotage yourself, what steps are you going through in your mind to do that? 
when you're actually very successful, what steps in your mind are you going through to do that? Are you getting in the commitment first? Are you getting in the vision first? Are you getting into desire first? Because I look at all – I've got thousands of books up on my bookshelf, and I look at why people read these, but they don't change. So what I'm looking at is how to take people deeper. That's why my website is Mind Authority. How to take people deeper to actually have authority over their own mind and to use their mind instead of letting their mind use them. And that's a place that a lot of people don't go, and that's where we need to go. Well, you know what? I think we're going to have to do a webinar too. We're going to have to do it. We'll have to do that on a webinar. Sure. And so that our listeners can see that. We'll do a, a podcast part two. Sure. I'm, I'd love to. With you. <laughs> that would be awesome. Well, you know what? Like I said, I could literally spend days talking to you. So obviously we're <laughs> going to have to continue this conversation again on a future episode or on a webinar. But you have been really fascinating. I love the stuff you talk about. That's, uh, that is super fascinating to me. And so I would absolutely love to do some future stuff with you, Jim. And for our listeners, how they can get a hold of you is how? Uh, simple. Either my email, which is jim at mindauthority.com, or mindauthority.com, which is my website. Well, we'll be sure to put that in our show notes and on our website as well for those of you who have more interest in working with Jim. And absolutely, you and I are going to have to do something, put something together because we think a lot of the same way. So. Absolutely. And I apologize if I talk too much. I've got a headset on oh, no. and, and it's throwing my rhythm off. So it's like it's kind of like it's walking in new shoes. So my rhythm's a little off. So I apologize if I chatted too much. Oh, I thought it was perfect. And like awesome. I said, we could literally talk for days. So we'll do some future stuff together for sure. I, I want to see that whiteboard, so we'll put together a webinar. Okay, so. perfect. Well, thank you very much, Jim, for being on our show today. We're so grateful that you took the time. Yes. And for those of you who are interested in hearing more about him, be sure to check out the show notes, and you can go to mindauthority.com. And be sure to head on over to realestaterealworld.com. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, and we love your reviews. They help us get out there in the world. So, again, thank you, Jim, for being a fabulous guest, and thank you, everybody, for being on Real Estate Real World today. Go out and make it a great day. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on Real Estate Real World, where we talk with masters and leaders in real estate and beyond on how we can raise the bar in our industry. Please subscribe over on iTunes. And while you're there, be sure to give us a review. Your reviews encourage us and help others find our podcast. For show notes and hot topics on what's going on right now in our real estate industry, pop on over to www.realestaterealworld.com and add your name to our email. Thanks again for listening. And go out there. Be a part of the elite masterclass in raising the bar on the real estate industry.